It's cold, y'all. It's wintertime. Anybody got a Christmas tree up? Come on. Come on. There you go. Me too. I, I do. Some of y'all are like, it's not even Thanksgiving. Don't judge us, right? Pick something important to be critical about. That's what I would say. It's okay. When Thanksgiving Day gets here, I am going to be thankful for my Christmas tree. That's already up. That's how I feel about it, all right? I, I'm a thankful man. I, in fact, I'm so thankful. These, this day is rare. I, I am thankful for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I am. Let me translate. That would be like you being thankful for the Raiders. I know it takes your breath away, doesn't it? But yesterday, the Alabama Crimson Tide defeated the Ole Miss Rebels, which ensured that my LSU Tigers were champions of the SEC West. I'm just a thankful man, just overflowing with Thanksgiving. That's how I feel. I'm also thankful that you're here. I truly am. Wherever you may be joining us from, we are grateful for the chance to be together we are departing briefly from our year-long study of Philippians in order to talk about Heart of, Heart of Life's next, uh-oh, not yet, there we go, next steps. We got part of it. We'll get there. Heart of Life's next steps. And, and the point is, we're not just looking to next year. But we have been this year looking toward the next decade and, and asking the question, what are we going to be about? And this is a summary of the answer that I gave you last week. We worked through what I call a, a new mission statement for Heart of Life. It is simply this, Jesus, his family, his mission. That is the heart of life. Jesus. We worship Jesus. He is the heart of life. He is our great God and Savior. Life is about knowing and following Jesus. When you know Jesus, we are community. We belong to the family of God. And the scripture says that you can tell who belongs to this family because they love one another. You cannot say, I love Jesus, but I don't want to have anything to do with his family. It's impossible. And therefore, we have been called to a mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are witnesses to who Jesus is and, and, and what he has done. And as we are going and as we are baptizing and as we are teaching, we are making disciples, followers of Jesus. Jesus, his family, his mission. This is who we are and this is what we do. And so today I want to take it a next step, and I want to talk a little bit today about how our success in living this out is dependent on how many of us grow out of these, my grandson let me borrow this today. We've been teaching him well. Our success 
in living this out is dependent upon how, how many of us grow out of these and how many of us grow into these. My dad let me borrow this one. Like I need a, a manly apron. This is pretty manly, pretty manly. I want us to understand today the success in terms of us living out what we believe God has called us to be. Who are we? It's about Jesus. It's about his family. It's about his mission. It, it, it's about how many of us grow out of these and grow into these. So just one text today that we're going to focus on. It's in the book of Ephesians. It is a text that speaks to this very issue. It tells us how. It tells us why this transition to the apron is so important. But the caution is, I'm saying it appears. It appears that most churches do not understand what this text teaches us. So let me show you what I mean. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'm going to start with verse 11. I want you to hear what this scripture has to say. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We'll just pause right there for now. God's design, he says, is to give his church leaders. He goes all the way back to the the apostles, to the prophets, there's a, there's, a, there's a foundation piece there, but there's the evangelists, there's, there's pastors, there's teachers. He, he gives his church leaders, but he says, I, I give them leaders in order for them to do what? To equip. To equip the people, equip the family, equip the church. That, that little word equip is a, is a general word. It means to provide whatever is needed. Sometimes it's to help fix something that's broken. In this particular context, it's obviously attached to teaching. It's connected to, to teaching. Now, what in the world would be included in teaching in regards to equipping God's people. Now, the broad term would be it is to teach God's word, all of Scripture that, that God has given to us that we might know, right? He, the one that speaks with authority, it is to teach God's word. But I'm going to sum that up sort of in two big, broad categories. I would say, what is it that helps to equip the people? It is that we would, we would know, therefore it would be taught, we would know God's redemptive story, Right? A God who creates all and yet we rebel against him and yet the story of God's love and God's pursuit and how a, a God who would give of himself to, to die in our place 
to satisfy God's wrath against our sin, a, a story of God's redemption and to teach that you would know who we are because of that story. His story and then who we are within that story. And so the scripture says he gives leaders and a part of what it means to equip is that they would teach, they would instruct. But I want you to notice in this text that while equipping, while training certainly involves knowing those truths, it also involves something else. It involves doing. Because it says we are to equip his people for what? Works of service. I didn't do highlight words today. It's because I, like, I'll be highlighting the whole entire text. So it, it's a, we equip for works of service. There is a doing to this. Knowledge alone doesn't mean reality. In the sense, you knowing something doesn't mean that that is real with you. For example, if if you don't do it, it never reveals whether or not that knowledge is real with you. You believe God to be sovereign. You believe him to be overall. You believe him to be in control. But if you live in worry and fear, it is the evidence that you don't actually believe. You don't actually believe. Knowledge plus doing equals belief. Knowledge plus doing equals belief. Somebody along the way, I've heard this for a long time, I don't know who to give credit to, said the average Christian is educated three years beyond their obedience. It's just kind of a creative way to say most people sitting in churches know more than they believe. Because they know it, but they're not yet doing it, which means they don't really believe it. Knowing plus doing equals belief. So as we move forward as a church, man, what is critical to us living out the purpose for which God has called us is we, we want to see, we want to we do everything that we can to create an atmosphere of an equipping culture. An equipping culture. Where, where knowledge is being taught, the knowledge of God's word, but there is also a doing of that knowledge. That has always been God's pattern and his expectation. You go all the way back to the Old Testament, you, you find those famous passages of scripture, the most well-known, like, like in, in Deuteronomy, you've got Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? And, and, and God said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart, all right? He's the one giving the instruction. He is the one giving the knowledge. Here are the commandments. I want you to have these, and I don't want you to just know them with your head, but I, I, want, I want this to be a heart matter for you. But do you know what God says next? 
impress them on your who? Children. Talk about them when you're sitting at home. Talk about them when you're walking along the way. Talk about them when you get up in the morning. Talk about them when you go to sleep at night. It is the picture. It is the pattern of God saying, I am giving you this truth. I I am giving you these commands. Now, do. Do. You pass on what you have been given. In other words, God says, don't be mistaken, I will feed you. I will feed you. I give you these commands. Now, you do what? You feed them. You feed them. I think some churches get this mixed up. And sometimes the reason we get it mixed up is because we as leaders don't do a good job of being clear. We sort of develop this perspective that the church is kind of like a restaurant. Okay, I like going to restaurants. How does the process work when you go to a restaurant? You, you, you choose the one that you think you like. You drive to it. You are seated. You you. You want to be given what you think you want and, and, and deserve to have, and then you eat, and then you critique. Well, this was good. The appetizer was good, but, I mean, the main thing, man, I, I mean, that's sort of like, right? That, that's how the restaurant process works. Can we step back and acknowledge a restaurant is a narcissistic, preference-driven experience? It is. And I'm, not, I'm saying that that's, that's okay in the sense of a restaurant. But in the family of God, that approach leads to soul death. Soul death. If we view the church like a restaurant, we're not wearing this. We're wearing this. And it's about what we prefer. I want a good band. I want a decent speaker. I want good child care. And if and when those expectations, right, are not met, then we just choose a different restaurant. I'm leaving because I'm not being fed. Here's the deeper question. Why are you not eating? Why are you not eating? Because what we just read in the text is there is a pastor's and a teacher's job to equip you to feed yourself. They equip you to feed yourself and even to feed others. We tend to think of the church like a restaurant when God says it's more like a culinary school. You know what a culinary school is? It's where someone goes to learn how to what? Cook. 
And they put like super dangerous utensils in front of you and teach you how to use that stuff, right? And they teach you how to, how to choose the food and, and purchase the food and, and, and cook the food and, and how to present the food. I mean, all of that, you are equipped. And a culinary school is a place of, of where you persevere because you, you go there to be equipped in order to feed other people. Culinary school is something you invest your, your time and your talent and your, your treasure in because there is a sense of calling there. The word church in Scripture, it, it is a Greek term, ecclesia. It means the called out ones. That's who we are. We have been called out and, and are to be equipped to call other people to the banquet table of God. It's a shift from this to this. And one of the most dangerous things that can happen in preventing that shift from happening is for pastors, shepherds, to set themselves up as being indispensable. Why would that ever happen? Truthfully, insecure pastors and lazy Christians. That's how it happens. Insecure pastors who want to keep people wearing the bib. Why would we want to keep people wearing the bib? So that we are needed. That, that ministry can't happen without Right? That those things can't take place without. And so we'd rather keep people wearing the bib because it means that we're needed. On Likewise, sometimes it's the people wearing the bib who don't want to take it off because we like just being fed. So as we move forward, we need to make a commitment together, if you will. That you won't be lazy. That you won't be lazy in the thing that, my, my goodness, if there ever was something that, that is worth committing our life to, if there's ever something that is worth everything about who we are, it, it is this relationship with Jesus. But what I have discovered is those who, who think the food isn't good enough, maybe the teaching isn't deep enough, Here's, here's what I've discovered. Typically, they are only doing a fraction of the knowledge that they have received. And it is much easier to make ourselves feel better if we just get more knowledge rather than actually doing what we already know. Can I be honest with you and tell you that you can take a year and take an entire year and preach through only four chapters of the Bible in a whole year, which literally means word by word. And there will still be some who want deeper teaching. Here's how I tend to deal with that. I ask this question. When is the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? And that answer tends to reveal what's actually going on here.
you make the commitment, don't be lazy. And I will make the commitment that I won't be insecure. Because I'm not the chief shepherd. Jesus is. I cannot bring spiritual transformation in your life. Jesus can. He has done everything for you. He will always be with you. He will never make a mistake with you. Jesus is the shepherd. He made you. He died for you. He empowers you. I'm telling you, you get to follow the shepherd. Follow him. Follow him. You make the commitment not to be lazy. I'll make the commitment not to be insecure. That together we can live the design that God has called us to. A people who are equipped to know and to do. Now, let me show you one more part of this text. But in order to show it to you, I'm going to read till we get there. All right? Because it kind of... It sets the, the whole picture. So I'm going to start back in verse 11, and I'm going to read you through, all right? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So together, we believe, right? I, truth is being taught. Truth is being lived out. That knowledge and that action, there is belief together. We are believing together. We are growing in knowing Jesus better and better. Together, the body is looking more like Jesus. It's his body. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So he's saying, look, as we're growing up, then we don't have to operate like little kids anymore. A little kid who can't tell when there's danger. A little kid who doesn't have the, the, the strength to, to, to fight. He's saying, look, as you, as you are equipped, as you get this knowledge, and as you begin to, to walk this out, right, you, you don't have to be like little children anymore. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now let's just leave that because I want to show you some things here. I, I want you to see... Really, verse 16, and then it'll connect to 15, from him. Who's him? Jesus, all right? So let's just set the, let's make sure we're clear on this. Who gets the credit for this whole thing? Jesus. He is the source. 
of, of everything, source of strength, source of power, source of, it, it is Jesus, right? It is his body. Let's not be mistaken in what I'm about to say. He is the one who gets the credit. But I also want you to notice what he says in this text. It is the church who grows the church. Now again, Jesus is a source. He gets the credit. But I want you to notice what it says in this text, right? Because in this sentence from him, the whole body, that's the subject of the sentence, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So you got this connecting phrase, but the, the subject, the whole body grows and builds itself up. That's the verb. Who grows it? The body. That's what he's saying. Again, we're not throwing Jesus out, please. That's why I'm saying in the beginning, because this makes us so uncomfortable, right? Because we're like, oh, it's Jesus. We can't. No, what he just said, though, knowing that Jesus is the head and knowing that all this comes from him, his design is that the church grows the church. The body builds up the body. Ultimately, the growth of heart of life is not anchored in its shepherds. It's anchored in its body. The extent to which we will grow, the extent to which we will fulfill that mission is connected to what the body does. Now here's what it says, this body that grows and builds itself up, it's linked. It's linked because it says we are joined and held together by every supporting ligament, all right? And I think you've just got, right, Paul's just, he's using this illustration to say again, which he does in other parts, you got all these different parts of the body, right, hands and feet and all, you got all these parts of the body, and they're tied together, they're linked together. The translation is, is ligaments here, that they are, they are joined together. You understand that in order for the body to build up the body, there is a linking together that we have to recognize that is a part of the design that God has given to us. It means life on life, where there is one-on-one, -on -one, where we are helping one another in terms of, of our maturity, in terms of our growth. You've got an Apostle Paul who says to a young Timothy, do what I did with you. You saw me, you do that. That picture is given, right? Be because Paul knew Timothy needed to see him. And he knows that the people to whom Timothy is going, they need to see Timothy. And I'm telling you, this body needs to see you. Right? It needs to see how I treat my wife. It, it needs to see how I lead my kids. There is an aspect of one-on-one -on -one where together the body is built up as we link together need to see each other believe. But there is also life in community. There's life in the whole family, not just one-on-one. -on -one. And how, how do we know that we belong to the family? He says we love one another. Let me make this statement. I often don't know how much I don't believe the gospel 
until being with God's people. I often don't know how much I don't believe until being with God's people. And can I tell you, that happens in heart of life all the time where I am suddenly sitting down right over a, a, a cup of coffee or sitting in a meeting or whatever it might be with people from heart of life and all of a sudden I hear what they're saying and I hear the belief in them and I'm like, I should believe that much too. There is something that happens when we are together that the belief, the faith in one another as we walk this out reminds each of us where we too need to take steps of growth going, I need to believe God on that, which means I need to do it. I need to do it. There is life on life. There is life in the, the whole community. And then there is life that we experience on mission together. In the early church, when you read the stories of Acts the majority of that was done as teams. Sometimes the teams seem to be just a few people, but they're still teams. Each part does its work. Look at what it says here. Each part does its work, right, in love, in love. And when I hear in love, it connects me back to the top, right, Instead of, right, being a child that's just pushed all over the place, and instead I, I am strong in terms of speaking the truth in love. Each part doing its work. What, what's the work? The work is, yeah, I'm speaking the truth in love. The truth of what? The truth of God's redemptive story. The truth of who I am within that redemptive story, here's where I'm going. Do you understand the mission to which we've been called is more than just being relational? It's more than just being friendly, more than just connections for us as a family. It is also connected to a truth that is to be spoken. Not just being friends, not just being brothers and sisters, but together we are speaking the truth in love. It is attached to the word. It is not enough that we just serve people. It, the mission is not just that we are hospitable people, which should be the case. The mission is not just that we are kind to people. The mission is that we also know how to connect the dots that when we serve and when we are hospitable, when we love people, we are quickly able to say, because his name is Jesus. And this is the story of redemption. And though I didn't deserve it, he brought me in. And he will you too. The mission is more than just relational. It is also going with the word. Let me see if I can give you one more picture today to maybe kind of um, wrap this together. Let's say that a part of your body is injured. Um, we'll pick an ACL, all right? That's a bad one. That's a bad one. Because ACL takes a long time to heal, all right? So let's say that you tear an ACL, 
you need a doctor. You need a doctor to do some equipping for you. You need a doctor to provide what is necessary in order for this to be made right. Unless you are an expert at doing surgery on your own ACL, right? You need him to do some surgery, to repair. And you need him with some wisdom to set, right, a plan of rehab, right? And that rehab, it takes a long time. I mean, six months sometimes, eight months sometimes. It's a long process, but there's a rehab. But I I have talked to some people who have been through some, some tears of ACLs, and they said that after the initial surgery and they start the rehab process, you know where they start them? They start them on a machine, a machine that moves, I'm just using my arm because I don't, okay, but they, they, a machine that moves that muscle correctly. The machine moves it so that you're getting the right movement. Hopefully there'll be some muscle memory that, that starts to take place there and you, you are moving as it needs to move. But eventually, what has to happen? You got to get off the machine and you have to work the muscle. That's kind of like, I'm going to put it in these terms and it it doesn't have to be this simple, but that's kind of like the difference in Sunday and Monday. We gather on a Sunday and there is an equipping aspect, hopefully, to what we do. And there is a there is hopefully a helping to a picture of how the muscle's supposed to move. But eventually what has to happen? You gotta move the muscle. You've got to work the muscle. You work it out. And if if it only gets worked on a machine for an hour or two a week, it's never gonna be, become the strength that it was intended to be. All the credit is Jesus. I will say that forever and ever and ever. All the credit is Jesus. He is the head. But do not miss what this text calls us to. His design is that you, the body, grow the body. As the knowledge that you receive from God's word gets done, gets lived out. It is, it is not the pastors and teachers. And don't get me wrong, I think leadership is critical. Leadership is critical because leadership can lead you down a path that is deadly. Leadership can lead you down a path, right, that, it, that is harmful, right? We, we give an account as leaders for those things. But the design that God put in play is that the body grows the body. So, come on, think about how it might work in a lot of churches. Um, A new believer needs to be discipled, so call the church staff. Um, A friend, a sister, let's say, in the body needs some counsel. Um, Let's call somebody with a license. Um, your neighbor, you really want them to hear 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and so call the pastor and have him come over and share. Now listen really close to what I'm about to say. It's okay for you to make that call if you don't know how to do it. It's okay. That's always wise. It's always wise that if you don't know how to do something, you call somebody who can help, which means who can equip you to know how to do it. That's what our job as leaders is. It is to help equip the body. But here's where I'm going. But, okay, maybe you've seen that once and you've seen that twice and you've seen that maybe three times. You know what's supposed to happen next? You put on the apron and share the gospel with your neighbor. Because now you know how to, you, you've seen that. And if you can, provide at times some biblical counsel for the people that you love around you. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some moments that we find ourselves over our head. I get that. I still do that. There are still moments that I find myself over my head in regards to something, and I'm, 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 I'm calling somebody with a license in terms of a counselor to go, hey, can you help me to figure out how to, how to move them through? Those moments happen, but so much of the time. This is just about brothers and sisters in Christ, that suddenly we are marching down a road that the Bible is really clear that this is a wrong road, and it just means there's somebody who loves me that needs to state, hey, man, let's walk this right. I'll walk it with you. You can do that. Put the apron on. Put the apron on. I want you to consider how many well-known one-another passages there are in Scripture, right? There's like a hundred one-anothers regarding the family of God. Like 60 of them are actually tell you how. When we read those, we quickly discover that serving doesn't belong exclusively to the deacons. Galatians chapter 5 also tells us that the members of the body are to serve one another. Pastors aren't the only ones who can teach. But Romans chapter 15 tells us that the, the members are to instruct one another. Worship leaders aren't the only ones who are supposed to be blessing with musical praise. Right? Colossians chapter 3 says that the members sing to one another. Certified counselors aren't the only ones who can help us through life's problems because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says we can, the members are to encourage one another. And let's not make the mistake of thinking that this equipping is only directed inside the family of God. This is a question of how to be gospel people in everything we do. That's who we are. 
not just volunteers on a Sunday, not just to fill slots to get the work done, but rather together we are growing up in order to lead our families. And we are growing up in order to love the community around us. God, how do I eat in light of the gospel? How do I play in light of the gospel? How do I work in light of the gospel? When you read the rest of the book of Ephesians, right? We're in Ephesians chapter 4 today, and you hear Paul talk. What does this look like? It, it looks like working hard at your job, he says. That, that your attitude is that you, you are working as though you are, right, working for Jesus. We read that in Scripture, a, a good attitude, an ethic, right? That it, it says that, that you share what you have with others, that you're not being stingy. It says let your words be positive and honoring, not not filthy things that are coming out of your mouth. It says, be kind and forgive. It says, love your spouse, honoring Jesus, right? Train up your kids, honoring Jesus. Treat your employees, honoring Jesus. And all of a sudden, we, we get the picture. Part of life is not called to be an organization with ministry programs. We're called to be a family of servants, who serve one another, but also serve the people around us. So what if, what if we actually do this? Like what if those of us who teach actually teach expecting that those we teach are gonna teach what we taught to them? That's, this is who, we, this is what we do. What if, what if we begin to emphasize when a person is baptized that, yes, that baptism is an identity into the family of God, and, and it is okay. There are going to be moments that when you are baptized that this, this is, it's okay to wear this because there's, there's some things that, that you need to learn, but it is also okay at the same time that while you are wearing the bib, you are also at this baptism being commissioned to join us in the mission. Join us in the mission. Put the apron on immediately because this is what life following Jesus looks like. What if we expect that every member of this heart of life body will be connected in some way to a smaller group of people who make sure they're working the muscles. I wanted to just give you a couple of maybe simple steps today. It's like, this is one of those that's kind of setting the picture for what we're going to unpack for some time to come. But can I just tell you something simple today that if you, if you want to put the apron on and you want to serve like today, like before you leave today, Encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. I want to challenge you before you leave, wherever you may be joining us from today, before you leave today, encourage somebody. I'm even fine if it's the one person that you came with. That's fine. Just encourage somebody. Put it, move the muscle. Move the muscle. They may need to be the one that hear it from you the most. Encourage somebody. 
Maybe, it, maybe it's somebody, it already comes to your mind that you know they, they've just gone through something difficult. And it doesn't take a whole lot for you to just come alongside and go, you're not alone. Praying for you. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that you know is struggling in a sin kind of way, and you don't have to make a big deal about that, but somehow they've let you know and that struggle's taking place, and you just come alongside and go, you're not alone. I'm with you. All kinds of different ways that you can encourage people. Maybe you see people serving in an extraordinary way, and, man, they're putting, they're putting a lot of effort into something. Nothing wrong with just going, great job. I know there's a lot of challenges that go with what you're doing, but great job. We could do like a dozen different things in this moment of ways that you can just encourage people. Um, If nobody encourages you today, like this is the thing pastors always think about. It's like if I tell them to encourage and then somebody doesn't get encouraged, what's going to happen with that? Here's here's what I want to encourage you with. If nobody encourages you, don't put this on. Don't put this on. If nobody encourages you, don't don't put this on and go, he said encourage and nobody encouraged me. I would encourage you to recognize it's the very reason that I'm talking about what I'm talking about. Put on the apron and go ahead and encourage somebody. And watch what God does. Bibs off, aprons on. That's the call. Real quick, I want to encourage you with one more thing. Um, it's the holiday season. I love this season. That's why my tree's already up. Lights will soon be up. I love this season. But a part of it is because this is one of those seasons where it really is an opportunity to connect in people's lives. Next Sunday, Heart of Life Harrisonville is doing a Thanksgiving meal um, at the vault after the service next week. Um, They decided to do a little kind of canvassing of the territory and send out some uh, feelers and invites with different people. And if there were people who did not have Um, the means or the place to be able to celebrate a Thanksgiving meal, then next Sunday after service, um, they're going to do a Thanksgiving meal together where everybody can sit down at the table and celebrate that. I think that's pretty cool. Along with that, I met a couple at Lee Summit last week. Um, Their name is, is Ezekiel and Abigail. They are brand new to Heart of Life, only, only been here like just several weeks. Um, they are opening their home on Thanksgiving Day and said to us as shepherds, hey, don't, don't worry about putting the word out that if there are people who don't have a place to go on Thanksgiving Day, our home is going to be open and we are going to do a Thanksgiving meal and anybody that doesn't have a place to go. Maybe it's just because you're separated from your family. They live somewhere else, right, another part of the world. Maybe it's because your family has already passed on, but whatever the reason, our home will be open and we're doing a Thanksgiving meal. You know what our question was? So, like, how many people can you handle? And you know what they said? 
We don't know, and we don't care. Whoever needs a place will make it happen. See, that freaks some of y'all out, wouldn't it? That some of y'all are like, no way. There's no way I'm having people to my house, and I don't know how many. I don't know how many to have, and do we have enough plates, and do we have enough whatever? Oh man, I love their attitude of just going. The love trumps the specifics. I want you to know that the kind of stuff I'm talking about today happens within this body. There are those of you who have these hearts. This is your mindset. This is your heart. And I want to encourage you to realize this is the heart to which God calls us. Maybe for you, it's time to open your home on Thanksgiving. You don't have to do the blanket invitation to the whole world. But it's that one family that you know would be blessed if you invited them to join your family and just have a meal together. You can do that. You've been empowered to do that. Bibs off. Aprons on. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word today. I thank you that you give us, God, instruction from your word, a beautiful picture, God, a design. A design from you, empowered by you, carried out by you. God, but a design that most beautifully means it is your people, your body, that grows the body. God, I I thank you. I thank you for the people of Heart of Life who, God, some of them a long time ago, some of them even just recently, God, they have made the decision that their life is not about the bib, it's about the apron. And God, I know that there are moments that there can be weariness, there are moments that there can be discouragement. There are moments that that the the enemy wants to weave those things. God, but I'm asking today that you would continue to encourage your people to know, God, this is the beautiful picture. This is the picture with power. So God, even in the next few minutes, as your people encourage one another, will you give us courage to do that? The folks that you bring to our mind, God, may we in the next few minutes, God, just empower your people to encourage one another and then that that just might be the atmosphere in which we operate. God, Thanksgiving meals, God, whatever the next step may be for each of us, will you give us courage to believe that what we know becomes what we do. I thank you for what you're going to do in this body moving forward. I thank you for the beautiful things that you're going to grow in your church moving forward. God, our prayer is your will and your way. Your will and your way and thanking you, God, that we don't have to be afraid of that. 
trust in that. It's in the name of Jesus that I thank you.